And then there's also another layer on that of competition. You know, if you have competitors out there telling their stories, now that's a whole nother uh, thing of how can you tell a better story? How can you play off of their story? How can you make their story look bad? There becomes all kinds of things that kind of, you know, if you're in a, a red ocean market, then storytelling becomes the king, really. There's no other way to do it, especially if you're, you know, if the competing product is not really different to you at all. If it's, um, you know, if you're selling a carbonated beverages, you've got a real challenge. You better come up with a hell of a story. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the show, Storytellers. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Dan. I believe in the power of story from personal connections to business. Storytelling is where it's at. And we are chatting today with a great storyteller who has a very cool story. He is unemployable, and you'll find out why that is in just a minute. But before we get to it, just a quick reminder, everything you need is at the, the website, thestorytellersnetwork.com, past episodes, uh, great resources, a way to connect with me, even, even a blog with some random articles there. So check out thestorytellersnetwork.com. All right, today you are listening to John Wall. He's an educator in the marketing world. He co-hosts the podcast Marketing Over Coffee, which covers both classic and new marketing. John and his co-host, Christopher Penn, record the show every week and publish the show on Thursday mornings. So check out Marketing Over Coffee and learn a little bit about that. Uh, I first discovered Marketing Over Coffee brand way back uh, in 2011 on LinkedIn in the form of a group and have since uh, just grown with them. Uh, and, and I've wanted to chat with John ever since I first discovered Marketing Over Coffee. And I actually had that opportunity to meet him at Inbound in Boston in 2019. He recorded a live podcast with Scott Brinker there, and I got to be in the, the audience and then just chat with him too. So that was awesome. Uh, now, John speaks, he writes, he practices at the intersection of marketing, sales, and technology, and he educates others along the way as he does all of that. So let's get to the stories. So John, welcome to the Storytellers Network. Thanks for taking time today to, to chat with me. Oh, hey, thanks for having me on. So, John, um, let's start off with uh, the, the beginning question, the easy one, hopefully, in a way to get you into this. Um, do you consider yourself a storyteller? Yes, absolutely. That's uh, what puts food on the table here. Um, you know, so much of marketing is just the ability to tell a compelling story, you know, to be able to get people from where they are today to where they will be with your product. Uh, so, yeah, storytelling is, is what I do. And, uh, and it's always a challenge, you know, every story is unique and it takes a lot of work to get it to where it needs to be. Um, but yeah, I love to do it. So you do it professionally. Do you think, can you even separate that between professional and personal? Are you also personally kind of a storyteller? Yeah. Well, I think stories are such an effective way of educating people. You know, you can just tell somebody, Hey, here's what you need to do. But if you can tell them, well, look, here's somebody who did that and here's what happened to them. Or as a parent, it's always, look what's happened to these people who didn't do this. You know, it's like if you're, uh, 
you know, eating bad food and running with scissors. Like there's a lot of examples of how that all is going to go really bad for you. So, um, yeah, I think both personally and professionally, you can just get more of your message across and be more compelling if you can spin a story around it. Excellent. That's a great point, especially on the parenting side. (laughs) So that's a whole load on itself. (laughs) Right. I'd rather just go to the office than be a parent. No, I'm just kidding. I love my kids. I love my kids. Um, so John, where does that start? for you? Where does your story begin as a storyteller? When you first kind of realized like, this is who I am, I can do this someday. Where does that start for you? Yeah, I have to give a shout out to my seventh grade English teacher, uh, Judith Miller, who got my writing, you know, kind of out of garbage into something that that could be used. And it, it was really at that point where I had kind of crossed over and she had just flat out called me out on it. She was like, look, this, this writing you're doing is garbage. Like this is trash. And I know you can do better, but you need to write from a position of understanding. You know, you have to write about the things that you know about. And so if you start writing about the things that you know about better than everyone else, that will give you a compelling story and, and writing that, that hits home with people. And so that was really um, kind of the spark of like, okay, yeah, I, I suddenly went from like horrible at this to like being able to do it to some degree. And then the next jump was at work. You know, once you get into the professional arena, the, Um, whether you're managing people or even just trying to get your team around you to do things, being able to communicate with them as far as where they are now and where they want to go, being able to tell those stories can help you just get more things done and make you more successful at work. So it's it's really where you need to be. And why do you think story is so important when it comes to work? I mean, what, what is it that drives uh, story when it comes to work? Yeah, you know, for for so much of what we do, the prospect or the customer doesn't understand, you know, may not even know who we are, never mind what we're building and what we're making and how it can help them. And so we really need to boil that down into something that they can understand quickly. Um, and, and so much of that is figuring out, uh, you know, what are the things that they want and are looking for and just presume that they don't understand anything that we have going on here. And what happens is the story framework is something that you can just start hanging your hat on and adding your, you know, the elements of what you're doing to it. And people already understand how a story is supposed to work with like a beginning, a middle and end. And it's a voyage and there's going to be challenges along the way, but you're going to end up where you want to go. And so it gives you a framework that they do understand. So that's the one thing, at least they may not know who you are or what your product is or where it goes, but they at least can understand that you're going to pull them along with a story and, and they're going to learn something out of it. Hmm. And you talk a lot on marketing over coffee about technology, especially when it comes to marketing and sales. Um, so talk to me about why story is so important. I, I, we, we've talked before, I've heard you talk about this a little bit. Um, you know, we've got AI coming out and doing all these things for us. Story seems to be anyway, the thing that sets us apart from the machines as it were. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, because uh, the machine, any machine now can take, if there's a body of successful stuff out there, they can just scan it and figure out what do all the popular ones have in common and reproduce that. So a good example is like, you know, background music for a podcast. Like if you want something that sounds like the Saturday Night Live theme, AI can just crank together a file for you that sounds close, but not so close that you're going to hear from NBC lawyers and <laughs> you know, you'll be good to go. Um, but where, all machine learning and AI falls down is that if there's no body of data to copy, then it just can't do anything. There's nowhere to go. And so the stories that we are always telling 
you know, when we're talking, telling stories about new things that have never been explained before or places where people have not gone before or tools people have never been able to use before, it's a whole fresh batch of stories. And yeah, only a person can carve that out and uh, come up with what that story is supposed to be and test it and run it. Um, so yeah, that's if you want to stay ahead of the machines, uh, storytelling ability and the ability to adapt to new environments where there's no data, that's where you're going to be safe. Okay. So we do have a chance against the machines is what you're saying. Um, I don't know if we have a chance, but at least you can be in the group that survives longer than everybody else. Right. Um, you know, it's the classic, uh, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the guy next to you. Um, that's, that's pretty much where that is. And yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see where all this goes because, you know, there's so much work that we can just take out of the system that we throw to the machines. Um, you know, what are we going to do with all that extra time and where do we go? It's uh, yeah, far bigger than just a MarTech question. Absolutely. And why do you think, um, when it comes to those stories that we're creating, why do we love them so much as humans? Yeah, I think, you know, evolution is a big part of that. You know, what sets us apart as humans is just the ability to understand stories and learn from them. You know, you, uh, the first caveman had heard about how somebody at the other village got eaten by the saber toothed tiger. And, you know, then you can start to think about, well, maybe we need some spears or something else so we don't die. Um, so there's that, you know, just element of for evolutionary reasons, we've able to pass on knowledge. And uh, again, the story is just quick and easy way for people to understand those stories and, and to work as memory pegs so they're not forgotten. And then on the flip side, though, is using stories as a means to escape. You know, it's just we have so much going on in our lives and uh, being able to take an hour to get away and kind of forget about everything that you have going on in your life. That's a great way to relax and finally let loose some of the stress of daily life. Hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, you know, both as both educational and entertainment uh, value, it kind of brings you where you want to be. Excellent. And that's what you guys do at marketing over coffee, entertain and educate. <laughs> that's it. That's our, our hook. So John, um, what do you think, is one of your, your challenges that you face every day as a storyteller and how does that, how do you overcome that? Yeah, the biggest challenge storytellers always have from, you know, the, the thing that I face all the time in, in marketing and sales and all this is people always tell the story from their own point of view, you know, and so in any kind of software, people are always telling their story, just presuming that the other person they're talking to already knows the thing and understands it. And that's really, and you know, in some ways, the people working at a company are the worst possible people to be writing the stories <laughs> about the product because they already know everything about it and everywhere it goes. And people on the outside, this is their first time looking at it. And there's just going to be simple concepts that they just won't even grasp in the first time they're talking about something. And, and, yeah, and that's even pretty interesting. I've even come to the point all, all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you have your story about the product but like you don't even touch that the first few times you talk to somebody. You have a whole different story of how, you know, here's what your life looks like today and you get them to agree with what their life looks like. And then you introduce this concept of what if you were over here? What would your life be like if you could do these three or four things? Mm. And of course, you know, the, the long drawn out map is, yeah, to get from where you are to those three or four things, that's where the whole product story plugs in and it gets you there. But you don't even go into like what the product is or why it was built or any of that stuff until you just get them to agree that they want to go where you want to go and that you guys are kind of the same kind of people. You have the same values and want to end up in the same place. And then that allows you to um, take the time. So yeah, so a much shorter answer to that is just 
overcoming the limitations of the person hearing the story to comprehend it all in one shot. Like it has to be given to them in digestible chunks and not burn all of their um, you know, mental overhead the first time they're talking to you. <laughs> right. It's, it's interesting too, that you say that, cause I was just talk to, talking about this at work not too long ago, how every, everything that we create, it is like, we know it, it gets boring as it were, right. A boring industry or whatever, but the person ingesting that story, consuming it, whether they're reading it or watching it, it's their first time and how exciting that can be almost no matter the industry really. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the fun part with some of that is it's a double-edged sword in that if you're having to tell that story, you are going to get sick of it. Like after you've been doing it for five or six months and, you know, CEOs talk about this kind of stuff where it's just, you stay on message for years. Like you just keep pounding the same message over and over again. But the one benefit to that is for people that have empathy and can understand, you will find all the cue points in the story. You'll be able to tell the story and you'll know immediately like from who chuckles at what point or you know when somebody looks away at their phone you've lost them like you'll know how that story plays in every situation and you'll know whether it's working or not and when to move and and uh yeah even um got all the way back sandler sales used to talk about this how you know there's like a whole stretch of you know five hours where the sales happens but the sales guy actually knows around hour two or three whether this is viable or not and you still have to go through all the motions but yeah, over time, you at least kind of pick up the ability to understand where the cues are and know if the story's working or not. So it makes it more fun because you know kind of where you're going to, it's like being a magician almost, like you know <laughs> how you're going to fool people and when you're going to fool them and when they're going to laugh and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you got you to know your story, I guess, <laughs> right? Um, so John, in, in addition to marketing over coffee and, and everything like that that entails, so tell listeners a little bit about what you do and why you love to educate people on marketing? Like how has that come about? Yeah, sure. So it's um, funny that marketing over coffee, uh, I've been so to back up on it too. So it's a weekly podcast. It's about 20 minutes. I've done it with Christopher Penn for over 12 years now. And it just arose out of this ability for us to chat. You know, so much as so often as marketers, you know, you have all these things that happen until all this social media stuff, you had nobody to talk to, Mm -hmm. you know, like nobody at your family party wants to hear about your last email blast and how that worked. Uh, And so it just kind of changed my life in that we were able to talk about this stuff and people would come back and say, Oh my God, yeah, I've done that. Have you tried this? No, try that. And you know, you can have marketing automation jokes that nobody else understands, but you think are funny. And uh, so that, you know, we've been doing the podcast forever. And then about two years ago, um, Chris was at shift communications. He decided to leave. He was doing analytics and PR and he wanted to just branch off and do this analytics stuff full time. And by that point, you know, the podcast was bringing in leads for us. Like we've had all these people that we've been talking and working with for years and years. And they've said, yeah, you know, Hey, we want to get in on this, help us out, you know, trying to figure out what's going on in our space. And so what began just as our hobby thing has now become, you know, the community with which we do all kinds of stuff. And it's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, I hope it continues to roll the way it has because, you know, up until now it is pretty much the storybook thing of, you know, we just kind of started with a crazy idea and did it for a long time. And enough people are interested that maybe, um, you know, it, it becomes the full-time gig and uh, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately I'm pretty much unemployable now, so we've got to figure out how to get this to work because um, after you kind of go down this route, the idea of just going back to a cubicle is, uh, I, I don't know if I'd be able to do it and I would uh, anger my boss so much, I'm sure immediately that it wouldn't end well. So. <laughs> 
unemployable. I love that. That's, that's the entrepreneurial uh, mantra, right? <laughs> Lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Not by choice. It just is. Right. So, so interesting because like, I know, I mean, I knew a little bit going into this uh, conversation about you, about marketing over coffee, but when you talked about crisp being at shift, like now some of these connections that we have mutual, you know, Scott Monty and other, all the rest of the world, like, wow, it really is kind of a small world when it comes to this marketing and story world. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it and the social media, you know, explosion has just changed that because it put the storytelling tools in everybody's hands. I mean, especially think, like think about for PR, like more than, you know, you go back about 12 years and PR was just all about getting your message into a channel because you didn't have a channel. You know, you had to convince a newspaper reporter or a magazine writer or try and get on TV, like unless you could crack through that, like no one would even know you existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now this transition of everybody's got, uh, you know, can be a YouTube star or whatever is a whole different range of problems, but access to channel is not one of them anymore. And so, yeah, it's funny how, and to see how many companies have gone different ways, you know, companies that were successful with it, companies that have failed. Um, yeah, it's all still a work in progress. That's for sure. And, and so on that vein, I mean, how else do you think sto- um, social media in particular is affecting the world of storytelling right now? Is it, is it a great thing? Is it a, everybody only speaks in 140 characters? Like, how do you, how are you seeing it in the world? Yeah, I, it is a great thing because now there's, there's less chance that there's fantastic stuff that just never sees the light of day because enough people didn't hear about it, you know, because mm-hmm. you always hear those stories about great products that end up never going anywhere, you know, just can't get off the ground and people end up accepting something that's inferior because it's cheaper or easy to, easier to get to. Uh, but then on the flip side, it's definitely become Thunderdome. You know, it's like, man, you better be the best trained and sharpest storyteller because you'll easily be built, beaten down by the 5 billion other stories that are going to get published today. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's just no getting through. You, you kind of need to be at your best Um, if you want to break through. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's a fairer system, but it's a lot more, uh, a lot more competition. So it's, uh, uh, you can definitely try. And the thing people miss, this is a a good point too. One thing that everybody misses is everybody thinks they take their one shot. The the joy of this new world is you take a hundred shots, like try everything and don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like let's make one awesome YouTube video go make 50 YouTube videos and see what's going to pop. And it's even weird too, in that you can make stuff and it may not pop for two or three years. Like the world may not catch up to you or, you know, suddenly something becomes in the zeitgeist becomes hot just because of something else unrelated that happened. And if you're already there, you can jump on it. But yeah, it's definitely not a time for the timid or the uh, folks who aren't going to take any risk. That's for sure. (laughs) Right. So in addition to trying everything, I mean, how are we supposed to get our stories out today? You, you know, you and Chris did this for 12 years and now it's become this viable, you know, business, it seems like whatever your story is, how, how do we get them out today? Yeah, that's, I always fall back to, um, uh, Justin Maris and Gabriel Weinberg did this book traction and they, um, analyzed a ton of startups and they had, a, they have a framework that, you know, it proved itself out, which is pretty good, which is just that you, you know, when you look at all kinds of PR and marketing, they break it in down to, I think it's 19 channels, but there's like a bunch of different options and their whole prescription is, look, you just pick three ways to tell your story. There's, you know, pick the three ways that you think are going to work best. You do those three, you know, minimum viable product, like just get it out there and then see which of the three does the best job. And then you put all of the, the powder on that one 
and you know, do everything you can on that front. And the thing you find is as you get better, this focusing on a single channel allows you to leverage that channel to the maximum. So a good example of that is like in search engine optimization, when people, you know, if you're just kind of like once a month spending two hours on that, you're going to be right in the rest of the pack. Whereas if you go all month long, you're going to find all the shortcuts and ways to focus what you're doing so that your ROI goes way up. You know, and like we see the same thing with advertising too, where, you know, the people that just kind of go after the top five terms end up shoveling huge piles of money at stuff. Whereas the folks who take the time to spend a month or two to like, okay, we want to have all these negative keywords. So we filter out all this garbage traffic. And we know that like, if this term shows up with two other terms, that's a direct hit. And we're willing to pay twice as much for that because there's only, you know, that only gets hit two times a month as opposed to mortgage that gets hit a million times a week. Mm. Um, so, so that, uh, you know, just take your best gut shot, pick a channel and then work to become a master in that channel is a, a good recipe for like how to start. And then it's, it, it's all about your situation. The problem with so much marketing and tech press and publications and all this stuff is they're just talking about, you know, um, the average of what the results are. And that's great for some benchmarking to get started, but really everybody's story is totally unique and everybody has a different mix of what channels are working and not working. And the only way to do it is to dig in and start, you know, just start doing it and see what kind of results you get. Mm. Um, there's no substitute for the actual, you know, hard work of grinding the crank. Got to grind a little bit, don't you? <laughs> it's, it's all about feeding the beast. That's right. the, the problem. That's the, the ups and downs, the, the double-sided sort of content, especially, is feed the beast. Absolutely. Isn't it? And, it, you know, we've seen this a lot of backlash with marketing automation. Like, people brought all these awesome tools to be able to do all this stuff. But now they're like, oh, wait a minute. I have to write 24 versions of that email, you know, to make this work. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you do. You know, that's how this works is you, you know, changing the first three words every single time can net you huge results if you're at the point where you're refining it that much. So, mm-hmm. but, yeah, there's work to be done. And then always test it. Um, so, John, how? So, I, I want to get to the why in just a minute here uh, of my question, but let's start with just kind of a benchmark, as you said a minute ago. Um, has story always been a part of the advertising and marketing and sales world? Um, Do you think? Yeah, I, it has. And that, you know, obviously, at the most simple thing is like, okay, you've got the sign that says gas one mile and it doesn't have to be a complicated story, but it is telling a story. And at that point, the buyer's demand is so great that the story doesn't have to be that good at all. And so the, um, the further you get away, it's almost like a Maslow's hierarchy, right? It's like the further you get away from I'm hungry or I need gas or whatever, the better the stories need to be. Uh, you know, for if it's some product that the person has never heard of and doesn't understand, you've got to have a fantastic story to tell them what their future is going to be like. And then there's also another layer on that of competition. You know, if you have competitors out there telling their stories, now that's a whole nother uh, thing of how can you tell a better story? How can you play off of their story? How can you make their story look bad? There becomes all kinds of things that kind of, you know, if you're in a, a red ocean market, then storytelling becomes the king, really. There's no other way to do it, especially if you're, you know, if the competing product is not really different to you at all. If it's, um, you know, if you're selling a carbonated beverages, you've got a real challenge. You better come up with a hell of a story. Right. So why, so, so now we know that, like it's always been around. It's just as part of this whole thing. Why 
is it now such an obsession? I mean, my podcast has been around two years now, but um, other stuff, we talk about story, you know, Park Howell uh, talks about the business of story. Why has storytelling become this obsession in the last few years in marketing, do you think? Yeah, I think it's a rebound from where technology was the thing for the past 10 years. You know, there was so much tech that you could, if you had a better tool, you could get your crummy story out there ahead of everybody else and you would do better. You'd get better returns. And now that everybody's got a handle on the tech and has the tools, now suddenly you better show up with a better story because you're, you, you need to cut through and, and be you know, completely compelling or at least more compelling than the closest alternative. Okay. So it kind of comes back to that, like the, the hierarchy, the further away you get from the need, the more, the better your story has to be. Same thing here for the, the more crowded it gets, the better it's got to be. All kind of yeah. Yeah. Out. That, no, yeah, that's a great point. And that it, the closer you get to commodity, man, the better your storytelling has got to be. Um, and even when you think about that too, like look at, you know, companies like Disney where they're surviving solely on story. I mean, they're willing to put everything on the story and there's no brand without it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes kind of a, a different thing at that point. But yeah, master storytellers uh, only to apply for that kind of stuff because right. the, the stakes are as high as they can get. Absolutely. So if you think about your, whether it's your career, your personal, you know, you talk about Disney, that's obviously a, a getaway thing. Um, uh, where, where can you go back to in your life and fi- find a life-changing story that you can look back and go, okay, that's the kind of story that I want to help change people's lives with? Yeah, that's, um, I think, you know, a big story that uh, you hear a lot of entrepreneurs talk about is it's sort of like what Seth Godin talks about with the dip of you kind of, you can't have any kind of huge breakthrough without taking tremendous risk, you know? And so that's when we started out, um, it it wasn't that risky to start a podcast on the side, but when we reached that point of like, okay, we're going to drop everything else we're doing and throw everything on this. Um, you know, taking that jump and that leap is, um, you know, there's just so much emotion that goes on. You're, and the funny thing is you feel like you're giving up all kinds of security and you're doing something incredibly risky. But the reality is it's, it's in fact probably less risky than what you were doing because any job you're in, like, unfortunately nowadays at any point you can get laid off. You know, it's like if the senior management team decides that, oh, we're not going to hit our bonus unless we trim payroll by this much, then you're going to get tough. So you really have no security in most places. But yeah, to, to take the leap and say, okay, I'm going to throw aside the normal uh, business world and just try and create something on our own. Um, yeah, the story of how you start your own entrepreneurial voyage is you know, the most important thing that'll happen to you professionally, that's for sure. And, it, uh, and for some people, they just start that way because they have no alternative. And for others, it's they spend time in the regular working world uh, to understand how everything works before they finally come to the realization that, okay, there's nothing left for me to learn here. It's pretty much, if I don't take this risk myself, I'm just going to be building somebody else's dreams for the rest of my life. Um, and that's no place you want to be. Right. And do you look at those other entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial stories and take inspiration from those when, when it's hard? Uh, you know, to be honest, I don't, it's kind of funny in that, because I did the reverse path, you know, the people who just kind of become entrepreneurs, they definitely like latch on to somebody that's 10 years ahead of them who's successful. But as somebody who's been through the ringer at a company that was entrepreneurial backed, you realize there's just so much luck and um, it's, it's not just all skill. Like you can't, it doesn't matter. You can take any entrepreneur, you know, you can run them through 
the same thing five times and they might hit on one or two. And maybe there's some skill in that, you know, there's somebody who might hit three out of five, but you can't just, there's no recipe. You know, you have to be in the right place at the right time and the market has to be coming along. And a lot of people always miss the fact of all the entrepreneurs that come on too early. That's such a thing. There's so many companies that, you know, you'll see this company is hugely successful. There's going to be 10 people who are like, oh my God, yeah, we had a working version of that four years ago and it just didn't get off the ground because the rest of the world wasn't ready for, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it is kind of fun to hear about how an entrepreneur, you know, was about to miss payroll and they managed to talk that one last guy into, you know, throwing in 50 grand so they could survive another week. And then it finally took off and run. I mean, those are kind of fun stories, but um, yeah, you can't just kind of think like, okay, the same thing's going to happen to me. It's pretty much, it's all up to you. You just have to wake up every day and continue to, to grind it out and not give up. You know, that's the, the biggest thing is you just have to survive mm-hmm. um, and, and not give up and you will get there eventually, but it's a, a question of how much you're willing up to give to get there. Right. Now on that journey where you're, you're not giving up um, it, and obviously this is a little bit new right now as you and Chris are doing this, but have you had moments already where you look at milestones and go, yeah, we're, we're on the right path. We are making it in this world. Yeah. Well, and so it's funny too, because, you know, I mean, I, I talk about, this is like my entrepreneurial journey, but I'd done six other startups prior to that, you know, and it's just that I wasn't the guy. It was like, you know, it started off, um, you know, you pretty much have like the founding entrepreneurial entrepreneur, you have the team below them and then you have the staff. And so, you know, I, I had a chance, let's see, like 2000 to 2005, I was the guy at the bottom of the rung. And in that one, it was just a matter of surviving long enough. Like it took them about eight years and they finally broke through. And I was even gone before then. Like I had gotten axed in the second round of stuff. Um, and then the next one that I was at, I was just one rung below the, the partners. And that one over five years, like we hit it. We went from when I came on, it was like 200K a year they were bringing in and it got acquired when it got over 20 million. Um, and so... Uh, and then I've had two after that that crashed and burned. You know, I had one that flamed out. And the other thing that happens a lot with these is they just become these zombie companies that stumble along forever. Like you just, you're kind of like sort of making enough money to stay alive, but you can't crack through. And it does, it takes a lot of, um, yeah, it t- you have to be bold to be like, okay, let's just put a fork in this and it's done and move on to something else. It, it, it's very hard to make that decision because the more time you put in, you know, you feel like you have vested interest in it, but it's, at a certain point you have to ask, okay, is this ever going to light up? And unless management is bold enough to make more bold changes and completely change direction, it, it won't happen. So that, it, you know, kind of hits the point of when do you want to how much are you willing to shake it up to, to take another shot? So all that is set up for the amazing thing with this round is that I've been through the ringer so many times. Yeah. We have a lot of key points that we watch and we're like, yeah, we know we're, we're doing fine. And the thing that's really helped that's been so incredible with it is that both Christopher Penn's social audience that he's built up from speaking and all the stuff he's done and the marketing over coffee audience, like those are directly aligned with what we're doing. So it's kind of like we showed up at the, from day one, with like 15 years worth of marketing behind us. You know, I mean, we're, we are a young company and there's a lot of stuff we are trying to figure out as we go. But, you know, when we dropped, like we dropped the social 2020 
predictions report uh, about two weeks ago, and I have a, like a stack of a thousand leads that I have to dig through. So, you know, to be at a company for one month and have a thousand leads that you have to turn through, like that never happens. That's just right. ridiculous. Um, and, but, you know, and then the flip side of it is though, like, I don't know, at any point we're kind of expecting the economy to go up in flames and who knows who's going to be able to survive that. So it's still definitely, there's plenty of sleepless nights and stress, but at least we, you know, are, uh, know that things are moving in the right direction. I mean, you know, a month, com- month old company is an overnight success despite the 12 years beforehand, right? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Overnight success that only took 12 years to, to get there. Right. So John, as a, as a podcaster, a speaker, a writer, uh, someone who, who works with clients, what is your, you have so many choices to tell a story this way. What's your favorite way to tell a story? Yeah, it's funny. That's a, a great question because it made me think, in that my favorite way is to talk and to tell stories because there's no match for when the audience is right there and you get that instant feedback and you kind of know what's working and, and how it's playing off and if they're actually learning or not. And then if you're lucky too, you know, afterwards you actually get to talk to people and you get real time feedback, which we don't get in so much stuff. But my strength is writing. Like that's what I do best um, because when you kind of have the time to carve things and, and get the written word down, uh, that's where, you, you know, most people have asked for my help on stuff and I've been able to put stuff out there. So I, I am a writer first and foremost, but yeah, I do. If, if it's favorite, it's, uh, it's telling the story by voice. Yeah. There's, there's nothing like having that immediate feedback and seeing them lean in to your presentation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you've got them interested and, and yeah, and if they can just walk away immediately with something that they can put to use or that they were entertained with, yeah, you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, John. Man, I've had so much fun chatting with you and, and learning already. Um, I feel like we could uh, just sit and, and have coffee and talk <laughs> marketing. So that's good. Um, but uh, but I, I want to I get to my, my last question here in a minute. But I want to know another thing real quick before we get there. Um, and we'll also give everybody opportunity to connect with you. It sounds like your passion really is reaching people, helping people, um, helping people grow maybe, um, is, is, I don't want to lead that question. I want to just ask, what is your passion and, and what drove you to, to do this company like you're doing now? Yeah. The easy answer we always talk about to educate and entertain. Like that's it. You know, we, we have to do the education because that's, we're kind of trying to get people to a better place where they're more profitable with their business, where they, you know, we light up their dark data for them and they can see what's going on. But then if you can make it entertaining too, so that it's not just painful, you know, if there's a little sugar to go with the medicine where, you know, you can keep it interesting or keep it fun so that people can get even more done. That's the real win. And that's what we've always strived for with the show is yeah, just educate and entertain. Educate and entertain. And those are good passions to have. Jens, where's the, the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, just at marketingovercoffee.com is a great place to start. We've got, you know, links to the current shows plus the greatest hits are up there. If you want to go back and dig into the, the shows that other people have said were worth the time, uh, you can check that out. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, you know, John J. Wall on Twitter and trustinsights.ai for work stuff. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. We'll put all those links in the show notes. So John, uh, if someone were to tell you today that you can no longer be a storyteller and you had to find something else to do tomorrow, what would your last story be that you'd want to go out with? Uh, the last story. Yeah. You know, the, 
in fact, Stephen Covey always talks about this, whereas, you know, the best story you can write is if you're looking back on your life and you, you, the story you write is what you wanted it to be. So yeah, if I have a healthy and happy family and, you know, had some fun and made some money at work with some happy customers, yeah. uh, that's about all you, all you could want. That's a good story to go out on. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks for bringing your story to the listeners, John. It's, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for sharing the audience. I appreciate it. Once again, thank you so much, John Wall, John J. Wall. You can connect with him at the links in the show notes. And if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it with someone, post it to social media, just tell someone about it, send them an email, whatever you want to do to share it. Really appreciate it. And if you want to share your story with me, go to the storytellersnetwork.com, hit contact Dan on the contact page, send me an email, let me know what you love or don't love about the show, or just send me an email directly, dan at the storytellersnetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. 